0: Well, this morning I'm going to start a series, and I bet you're going to guess it's going to go through Easter. So you can get kind of a a time frame on this series. Uh, As a leadership team, we were talking about Easter this year, and we had some ideas and some iterations of ideas of of things that we could do. We're just wanting to be more intentional about Easter. And so um, we landed on this, and it was funny. I'm just going to share a little bit of the backstory of how we got here. Uh, someone mentioned the Stations of the Cross and I, I grew up as a Catholic and so that was something that I was very familiar with and some kind of experience that we could have on Easter, like is there a way that we could pull that off? And so we started dreaming, we started looking, uh, we're not doing the Stations of the Cross. but um, we're wanting to do is is take this story of the, the last few moments of Jesus' life here on earth and try to bring it to life. We want to make it something that we can identify with. We want to make it something that 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 is is alive to us. We hear these stories, and I think sometimes we're conditioned to the words, but our heart is that this can truly be an experience. And so, Pastor Tara and I sat down and we went through it, and we decided that this year, uh, this is a great place to start. We're going to look at Jesus, uh, look at Easter through the eyes of Jesus. So. Uh, We want to take some moments in his life and look at them, and I'm going to preach on those moments for the next several weeks, and then our young people are going to bring those moments in a different perspective on Easter Sunday. So I'm giving us the foundation so that they don't have to do that with each of the moments in the next few weeks, And, and when we get together on Easter, they're going to bring these moments in a different way before us, and we're going to have an Easter experience kind of coming through the lens of Jesus Christ. I don't have my clicker. Well, then I guess you're going to have to keep up with me because I don't see it. Good luck. Philippians chapter 3. Hey, guess what? I just found it. Oh, it was up here under my Bible? Mike, I want to blame it on someone else. Let me blame it on my kids for a second or something. Um, Philippians 3 is kind of a catalyst for this series. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. As a pastor, if we can really know Christ and the power of his resurrection, that's my heart in trying to look at things through a different way. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, participation, participation and his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Over the next several weeks, my heart is that we can understand in new and different ways, maybe reiterate some old ways, the power of the resurrection. Understand Christ in the power of his resurrection. Father, we come to you and we thank you that we're here this morning. I thank you for your word that is coming forth. Thank you for what you're preparing us for. And I ask God for us to be yielded to you. I pray that our hearts and in our minds, they would be in a place that we can receive today what you're speaking. Help us, God, to remove distractions. Help us to focus upon you and accomplish your very will in this room. For me, God, I pray submission to you. I ask that your will would be accomplished through every note, through every word, through every scripture, that I will read not my will, but yours is accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we talked about the experiences, as we talked about where do you begin? I mean, we could have gone, who knows, a lot of different places. The one we landed on, if you want to turn there, is going to be found in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, here's a story that I think most of us will be familiar with. Uh, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. It says in verse 3, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. In the house of And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will not always have the poor among you, but you, um, you will always. I said that wrong when I read it before, too. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I think a lot of times when we look at this verse, and rightly so, Jesus said her story would be preached whenever his story is told. We talk about Mary. And we talk about what do we have and what can we offer and how, do we, how are we a blessing to, to Jesus Christ. But today, I I don't want to focus as much on Mary as I do. I want to focus on Jesus in this moment. Another portion, another portion of Scripture where we see this story. It's in Matthew 26. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. The perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Sounds familiar. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has has done What she has done will also be told in memory of her. See, we're fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus Christ right now. You like that? I mean, he promises, we're we're talking about her. Verse 12 says, When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Jesus in this setting. Now, I don't know about you, but me, I've got a perspective on Jesus. And I'm not trying to uh, contradict anything But I want to come alongside and affirm everything that this scripture says. The point of this moment for Jesus Christ was what? He was to be prepared for his burial. The experience that I want to talk about is the willing to be submitted to the discipline of preparation. (laughs) Sometimes we don't like the preparation that God has for us. Jesus recognized that in this moment, in this time, as that woman was pouring this oil on him, he was allowing himself to be prepared for burial. Now, what do I know about Jesus? What do we know about Jesus? This was a hard one for me to read because I'm going to guess if I asked for anyone to volunteer this morning to come forward so we could pour some expensive perfume on your head, and my wife could wash your feet with her hair because mine isn't long enough, most of us are not going to volunteer for that moment, right? Like, it's just not going to be something that we want. We don't want the attention. We don't want the, the offering. We don't feel worthy, whatever else. I mean, look at what happened in the next chapter in John. Remember this? It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. John and Judas must have had some problems. He calls them out pretty cold uh, in both of these. Um, But anyway, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took his outer clothing, took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, and this is where I think we most are, most of us respond, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You see, I feel like most of us identify with Peter. Like, Jesus, you're not worthy. Like, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. I know Jesus, or at least I've understood who Jesus was. And he came, he says, to serve, right, and not to be served. That's why Jesus came. And then we're seeing this weird moment right before the the, the death of Jesus Christ where he's allowing himself to be 100% served extravagantly, for crying out loud. Why? I read that, I see those words, and I think, Man, I would expect, like, the man of Jesus, the flesh of Jesus, the one who was fully man, not the fully God part of him, to be like, no, this can't happen right now. Like, Mary, you saved that? Yeah, you're, you're right, guys. Let's go take care of some poor people with what I'm doing. But what do we see? We don't see that Jesus reaction at all. We see someone who submitted wholly to the preparation that was necessary for the purpose of God. You understand? Like, that to me is, it's, it's compelling. Like, I expect Jesus to respond one way, yet I see Jesus responding in a complete Not only does he submit to the preparation, but he defends it. You guys, watch out. Don't talk about what she's doing right now. This has to be done. He was so in tune with the Father that he knew when the Father was preparing him. And he was willing to submit to the preparation whatever it meant. Are you willing to submit to the preparation? You see, sometimes we don't like the preparation because preparation means humility. Right? Like, there's... Genuine humility described by preparation. Because what are you saying by saying I need to be prepared? I'm not prepared. Huh? I mean, that's humility for Jesus to sit there reclining at the table and allow this woman to, to pour perfume on him. I mean, again, think about it. I was thinking during worship, the, 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 um, Palm Sunday, that parade that happened as he came into town and, and they're waving and they're screaming Hosanna as he's coming into town. Jesus is submitted to the preparation of the Father. These things had to happen. You know, sometimes, We're not willing to submit. (laughs) We don't want to say that we need help. We don't want to do what's necessary by acknowledging that we're not ready in order to get to the place that God can use us. Jesus knew for the Father's will to be fulfilled, he had to be prepared for, for what was coming. Part of the preparation was this anointing that took place through Mary. Sometimes we struggle with preparation because it's humbling. Sometimes we don't like preparation because it stinks. Now, she poured a pint of spikenard on Jesus. And John had talked about his feet and Matthew had talked about his head. He was covered from head to toe in perfume. Excuse me for a moment and don't think I'm talking about you. Let me have some liberty. Sometimes we'll just say when I was in Kentucky. That way, no one in this room has to worry. You would have a meet and greet time, and there was always this one lady. You would give her a hug, and you know what you knew the rest of the day? Man, that perfume it's, it smelled great. But I needed to know where it come from. Can you imagine? I mean, again, we read these stories. Can you imagine what Jesus smelled like the next day? His hair, his body, his feet, his clothes were saturated in perfume. Sometimes preparation stinks. Can't we just use some olive oil this time? I mean, think about this. That perfume was designed, the purpose of that perfume was what? To cover the smell of death and decay. How strong do you think that perfume really was? I mean, Jesus is going to have a separate hotel room. Probably a separate hotel. He's going to stink so much. Sometimes we disengage from the preparation because we think it stinks. We don't like the effect it's having on us, we don't like the change it's making in us. And so we disengage from the preparation because we don't want to be humble or because it stinks. Sometimes. Preparation is uncomfortable. We may not like what he's asking us to do. It may not be what we want to do, it may be completely against everything. That everyone knows about us. But because, because, because I know my Father's will. Because I know the plans that my Father has for me. It doesn't matter how hard. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable. It doesn't matter how much I smell right now. I have to submit to what my Father needs me to do. It may challenge you. Think about Noah. What did his preparation look like when God talked to him? A hundred years to build a boat. A hundred years to to submit to the the challenge of, of finding the gopher wood and putting it all together and then collecting the animals. Come on. Preparation isn't always easy. For us to get where God wants us to be, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't like. Sometimes part of the preparation to get to where God's taken me, it stretches, it challenges It frustrates. But Jesus, but Jesus, in this moment, he knew where God was taking him. It didn't matter how humbling or humiliating it may have been. It didn't matter how hard or challenging. It didn't matter how many people, I mean, seriously, can you imagine the jokes later? Jesus, you seriously let her wash your hair, feet with her hair, like couldn't you give her a sponge? I mean, whatever. I, I mean, all those things, the the reality of how everyone else, I mean, seriously, how many times do we disengage from the preparation because we're worried about what everyone else in the room is thinking? What will people be saying now? <laughs> They see me walking or talking, they see me doing or or or, 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 or whatever they, they might No Nothing hindered God's preparation in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter twenty five. We read these verses in Bible study uh the other day. In in not Bible study, but in, in Sunday school. At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come to meet him. All ten of the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps ...are going out. The foolish ones weren't prepared... ...for the moment that God had brought them to. The foolish ones weren't willing to submit... ...to the process for where God wanted them to be. The foolish ones said to the wise... ...give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough... ...for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil... ...and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil... The bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, others also came. The others also came. They said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. You do not know the day or the hour. I want to say that God has a plan for your life. Amen. Does God have a purpose for you? If God has a plan, if God has a purpose, then submit to the preparation that he's leading you to. These these virgins, they just had to be ready. But because they weren't ready, they weren't able to experience the promise of God. Too many times we get derailed during the preparation because we're not fully prepared. Then we we don't fulfill what God has called us to do. It's okay to be prepared. Luke 12, this is where I'm going to stop. It says, be dressed and ready for service. And keep your lamps burning like the servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. My lesson from Jesus this morning. Our lesson from this story, I, hopes, I hope, is the willingness to submit to the preparation that God has for us. I am excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about the plans and purposes he has for each and every one of your lives. But I know it's imperative that we engage in the preparation so we can experience the promise that we, we're were intentional about submitting to the plans and purposes that God has for my life this day so I can see God do only what God can do. I want to submit to the preparation when the preparation makes sense and when the preparation is foolishness to everyone else. I want to submit to the preparation when I know what's happening and when it doesn't make any sense and I'm overwhelmed by the moment. I want to submit to the preparation even if it means I'm going to stink For a little while, so that I can be glorified in just a few days when I'm raised from the dead. That's the story. That's the moment. That's what resonated in my life. Are you willing to do whatever is necessary? see his promise fulfilled in you. You guys can come forward. I'm not really sure what to play or I'm not sure what this moment looks like. But I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for the example of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that as I read this story, I've read it so many times, but this year what jumped from the pages, but this year what resonated in my heart was his willingness to submit to the preparation. And God, in this room, in each each place, in each heart, God, we know what you've said. Jesus had spent time with the Father. He knew the will of the Father. And because he knew your will, he was willing to not only submit, but engage wholeheartedly in the preparation that you had for him. So God, I pray that we could recognize. We could recognize whether we're fully engaged in the preparation that you have. We could recognize, God, whether we're being humble, truly humble, acknowledging that, God, we need help. Acknowledging, God, that I need direction. I need training. I need to know how. I need to know what. I need to know where. I need you. That we're willing, God, to endure. The preparation, no matter how challenging, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how unconventional, no matter how non traditional the moment that you're leading us to becomes, God, because of who you are. It doesn't matter how we'll smell. It doesn't matter how people will react. God, you've got a plan. You've got a plan for my life, God. You've got a plan for our church, God. You've got a plan for, for what you need accomplished. And we want to submit, God, to your preparation so your will can be accomplished. Not just for me, but that will impact our world. your purpose, God. It's bigger than me. Your purpose, God, is bigger than my life. Help us to hear. Help us to see. Help us to know. They lead us in this course. I just encourage you to to stop and think, to pause and reflect. Am I submitted to the preparation? Is there something that God has been stirring? Is there something that God has been doing that that he just needs me to do? Something that I've been resisting, something that I, I haven't been receiving. And if that is, receive it. Just like we receive communion. Beyond that, this morning, if you have a need in your life and and you want to, someone to agree with you, if if you need the power, the presence, the goodness, the love, the forgiveness, the grace of God, I'll be up here to pray with you as your pastor. Make me an offering. Make me the vessel, God. We know that there's things that need to be done, and we're here to do them. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you submit to the preparation that God has for you. Amen? Be blessed.